Welcome to the Destiny Awakening Interviews, a podcast with Andrew Wayfinder and his guests, bringing you powerful insights, inspiration, and ways to break free, live life your way, and make a difference in our changing and challenging world. So hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Destiny Awakening Interviews. I'm Andrew Wayfinder Renievich, and I'm joined today by Nathan Jamail, CEO and entrepreneur, sales leadership speaker, coach, and author. So a very warm welcome to you, Nathan. And where are you hanging out today? Thank you, Andrew. I am hanging out in the beautiful town of Marble Falls, out in the hill country of Texas. Oh, that's a beautiful corner of the world. You're a lucky man. It is. <laughs> it is. A little bit of heaven. I know. Um, so let's get on to the work that you've done and your experience. So Nathan Jamail is a former CEO and entrepreneur turned top sales leadership keynote speaker, author, and executive coach. For almost three decades, Nathan has either been setting sales and other records in business or training others how to do so. Nathan has worked with leaders in Fortune 100 companies like Cisco, Microsoft, Hilton, Verizon, FedEx, the U.S. Army, and many more, helping them build winning teams and thriving cultures by turning great leaders into great coaches. A business leader who writes books for other business leaders, Nathan has three best-selling books, The Leadership Playbook, The Sales Leaders Playbook, and The Sales Professionals Playbook, as well as his newest book, Serve Up and Coach Down. All of Nathan's work as a speaker, an author, and a coach is built on real street sales knowledge based on three decades of sales, business ownership, and leadership experience. So thank you, Nathan, for your time today. And the topic we'll be looking at is how to create a winning culture. And Nathan's going to unpack that idea in six questions. So the first question, Nathan, is who is your ideal client? And what's the transformation your work and your talks help them achieve? So an ideal client for me is, is someone who has already having some success or, or, or a lot of success, who's looking to get to the next level. Of, of success. And what I mean by that is a lot of businesses were successful by demand and or by just being present in what we do. Although it's always the idea, it's kind of like becoming a better parent. How do you become a better leader? How do you become a stronger team? And so no matter how successful or how what the business is like for a client, it's how do I get my people to grow? And we have a saying that says, um, the number one job of a leader is to make their people better. In most organizations, our people are more experienced and more knowledgeable, but they're not actually better. So how do you do that? And that's how we go into coaching employees versus managing them. There, a lot of the stuff I talk about, Andrew, it's not rocket science, right? It, it's, it's, I always tell people, and you've heard a thousand times, it's common sense, but not common behaviors, right? How do we get more committed employees? The reality is we have to become more committed leaders, uh, you know, when we look at an organization and, and in my teachings and my writings, um, there's some real difficult points to make. Like, for example, I debunk in my latest book, Serve Up, Coach Down, I debunk servant leadership. I don't believe you should serve your employees. I believe you should serve those who pay you. I believe you should coach your employees. And when you hear that on first brush, it's like, wait a minute, that sounds like sucking up, right? And, and it's like, no, no, no. Realize this, no matter what country you're in, no matter what industry you're in, Every organization, the two greatest competitive advantages of any organization is alignment and speed of change. 
And you can't achieve those two things without a thriving culture. And what does that mean? And, and, and again, my perfect audience is that, that company or that organization. And I do uh, nonprofits and, and, and government and, and private. And one thing they all have in common is they're saying, hey, we've got this pretty good organization. How do we make it better? Mm-hmm. And it's about how we think, how we prepare, how we execute. And all that stuff's tied into real basic principles of holding people accountable making sure we have the right people on the team. And so that's the idea client. And that mm-hmm. a long answer to your question. Okay. Well, and I think that, that that dovetails perfectly into question number two. So when they come through the door as, a, as an audience or as somebody who wants your help, what's, what's sort of the biggest challenge they're facing? I mean, what's like the 80-20? What's, what's, what's the one thing that's causing 80% of their problems? Yeah, I think it's – so. I'm going to answer it in one word or two words, and then, but there's a lot of reasons behind it. And it's employee engagement, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you said, what's my number? It's employee engagement. But the reality of it is the employee engagement is the result of a lot of other things that, small things that aren't being done. And so if you said, Nathan, what are the three biggest takeaways that someone takes from working with me? You, and, and you'll hear it in their language. The first one is, the thriving culture is required and, and based on us only allowing those who deserve to be on our team to be on our team. And at first brush, it sounds harsh. Like I, I believe if someone, I believe a simple fact, if you don't love your job, you should quit. And at first brush, be like, well, I mean, that's a little, listen, not everybody can love their job. Listen, I was a janitor. I sold beepers. I, there hadn't been a job I haven't loved. And it wasn't the widget that I loved. I, I loved the engagement, whatever I was doing. Now let's be quite candid. Janitor thing was probably the worst job I ever had, but it was the means to a better job. So it, the thrive got me there. Here's the thing. When you look at as leaders, a lot of people stay at jobs that they don't want to be at, but they think they need a paycheck. And a lot of leaders allow people to stay there, even though they don't think they should be there, but because they think they need a body. And so we're allowing these people to stay in a relationship that neither one of them thinks it's a good fit, but because of our own selfish needs, we allow it to continue. And so one thing I talk about leaders is our job is to be selfless and say, listen, Andrew, man, life's too short for you to be here, man. You don't, you don't like it. And, 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 these, and when you have these conversations, sometimes you find out people do like it. They're just going through a tough time. But if you don't start that conversation, you'll never know it. So when you ask what it is, the first one is we must embrace conflict to help people grow and help people make difficult decisions. And that's that thriving culture. And I'll give you a perfect example of how it works. If you have a home in the dead of winter, and no matter how many heaters you have, if you have two windows wide open, your house will never warm up. Well, if you have this great team, but you have two or three people on your team bringing everyone else down, you'll never have a thriving culture. The windows are open. And, and, and it's everyone's job to be a part of it. It's the leader's job to mandate it. And so I talk about that idea that you can't have a culture without the right beliefs and mindsets of everyone in the organization. That's the first one. The second thing when people talk about is this. If you ask any leader to describe their best employee, they'll never say experience or knowledge. They say positive attitude, can-do attitude, uh, committed, uh, um, show up early, always little. They always describe the attributes and the skills of someone. Yet as businesses, we don't 
practice. And, and I, so you'll hear the word practice for me. That's one of my keywords. And there's just between training and practicing. Training is learning something new. Practicing is getting better at something we already know, which is why people see my books. They see all these sports X's and O's and they think, oh, you must be an athlete. Five foot three in the ninth grade, Andrew, no athletic career. I have three daughters. I can sing every Frozen song there is. It's not because I'm a man. I run my businesses like a sports team does, or, or if you're in acting, anything that's a skill-based business. I believe the skills of my people will generate more success in my organization than how much they know. The effort outweighs the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this doesn't mean you don't have to know your business, right? I mean, that's, but that's table stakes. And so the, the two that, the, so the first one is you have this attitude, this belief and holding people accountable to be in the right attitude and belief. The second one is the practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the third, and, and, the, and the third one is the constant fight to grow as individuals and as leaders, right? Uh, there, there's, there's a, a piece I say in my speeches, when you look at professional sports, if the coaches didn't make those players show up to practice, most of them would. And they've been doing it all their life and they know it's part of their life. As leaders, our job is to mandate that our people do the things that they want to do that they don't do because it's good for them. And it's because we care. And so those, if you ask what it is, that's when you walk in the door, when you walk out, those are the things that you'll leave with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think you, you've actually answered question number three, your number one insight. You gave us three. So let's move on to four. In terms of your own development, what was the most impactful concept, book, program, talk, or experience? What's, what's the one that sort of stands out in your memory as, oh, my God, you know, that really shifted the needle the most? You know, um, man, it's hard to find one, but I'll give you one that I can just comes off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And that is Dale Carnegie's book. And I listen to it every single year. It's written in the forties uh, or fifties, uh, how to win friends and influence people. And from that book, which um, I've probably listened to in the last 15 years, 50, 60 times, he talks about the value of, of influencing others is based off understanding other people's perceptions instead of debating our own. And in that debate, he says, as humans, we will argue we're right 100% of the time, yet we're wrong 80% of the time. And it's because we're arguing our perception. And he says, if you want to influence people, stop trying to argue your perception and start understanding theirs. And, and so that basic principle, I think, has taught me to sit back and listen to someone's perspective. And in fact, I took that same, I, I kind of stole that idea. And if you read my books, you'll find out, I tell you in there, I'm not smart enough to, for an original idea. They're all from experiences and leaders. And one of the things when I wrote Serve Up, Coach Down, I, I do all my executive coaching. I had this constant battle of leaders of leaders. And they would say, uh, my boss is doing this. And my people are, and, and it's this constant battle between their people and their boss. And I'm like, Wait a minute. And then I even said it myself in business in corporate America for over 20 years when the corporation would say, we're going to do this. And we would say, that's a terrible idea. They have no idea what's going on in the field. And, and, and what we're really saying is our perception is more accurate than their vision. And, and this creates this misalignment. And I said earlier, one of the biggest competitive advantages in business is alignment. And so when you take that concept and then you take the ideas from Dale Carnegie, 
I, I put them together and I said, listen, serving up is about believing in our leaders' vision more than our own perspectives. And so if you're my leader and you come to me and say, Nathan, we're no longer going to answer the phone. That's, and I'm thinking, that is nuts. But I have to believe in your vision more than my own perspective and say, okay, Andrew, let's go. Because the reality is this, there's an 80% chance we're wrong. So let's give a little grace to the people we follow so those who follow us will give us grace. And so when we understand that, we, we listen, the faster we all can get on the same page and start running the same direction, the faster we can do a U-turn or make adjustments. But if we're constantly begging people and, and getting buy-in instead of having belief, we're never going to get there. And so I think I say that Del Carnegie, how to influence, influence people and the idea of someone understanding someone else's perspective instead of debating our own has had a significant impact on not just how I teach, but I think how I live and how I lead. I mean, I, I use it in my marriage, right? Uh, uh, you know, on a, on a side note, I, I'll never forget. I, whenever I meet someone, Andrew, I say, give me your advice. If they're a father, I say, give me a father advice. If you're, because I have four children, if you're a husband and you've been married for a long time, I say, give me, give me a husband advice. Give me a nugget. And one nugget someone gave me, he says, my wife and I haven't fought in 20 years. I said, okay, I'm listening. Right. And he says, uh, how do you, how do you get I said, well, how do you do it? And he goes, how, my wife is never trying to hurt me. She has a different perspective than I do. So how do I get mad at that? If, if she's just trying to help me, how do I get mad at that? If her perspective is different. And so I went, man, that's genius. But again, it goes back to Dale Carnegie's. If you want to influence people, understand their perspectives instead of debate yours. And so again, now I use that in personal life. I'm not mastered it, by the way. My wife still thinks I talk too much. So. Okay, so question number five, what free resource would you like to share with the audience to help them? So I will send, I will, uh, we'll have it on our website and also we'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. if, if okay with the sure. a link to download the free PDF of my Celsius game plan. And this is a small, easy book that has short stories and real action, like, like real live case studies. Like if I was coaching a client, we're having this issue, I wrote a two or three page article on it. And we turned all that content into a small little uh, soft cover book. And we'll send that link and that will give people really good feel, kind of the global view of, of what my principles of teaching are. Okay, uh, great. So that'll be at Nathan Jamail, N-A-T-H-A-N-J-A-M-A-I-L.com. And if we get a more specific link, that'll be in the show notes. So just look below for that. Okay, Nathan. So the last question, question number six, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? What should you have asked me that you didn't ask me? And I think the question that you could have asked me instead of should have is, how do I know if I made an impact on people? Okay. Yeah. So how, 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 how do you judge that? Yeah, I think every I think our number one job is whatever we do, your job, my job, is it the work we do, is the impact we make on people. And so when I do a speech or I do coaching, or if someone reads my book, I level my I judge my level of impact on how they then engage in their how they impact others. If someone goes to my event and I do I go to a client's event uh, office and I do a keynote speech or a workshop. 
And six months later, people are still scrimmaging with their employees, still talking about um, holding our people accountable because we care, using the words and the behaviors that we teach. Um, then I know I've made an impact. I know I've gotten that return on their investment and I made a difference. And, and so the answer is, does the information or the disciplines that I teach or share, are they relevant six months, one year, and three years later? And that's how I know I'm, I, I helped make a difference. Well, that's perfect, Nathan. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Awakening Interviews. If you have a friend who would benefit, please share. And subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a review. We really appreciate it. And remember, always use your power for good.